Hey guys, and welcome to the second edition of Improper Inquisition. Uh, I'm just going to get right to it. For this topic, I'm going to be talking about anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, um, pretty much anybody that's anti-science, anti-proven fact for the sake of being anti, for the sake of not trusting the established science due to conspiracy theories. We all know these people. We all met somebody like this. People who just love saying that you're wrong because they understand something that you don't. Things like that, you know. They come up. I just they they come up in conversation all the time. And I'm gonna be perfectly honest, I never paid them any mind. Anytime I heard somebody saying I don't like vaccination. I just immediately labeled them an idiot in my head and ended the conversation, never entertained it, never talked to them, never tried to question them. I immediately shut them out of my life. And that's not nice. Everybody's opinion should be valid, correct? And I'm kind of glad that I've started this podcast because it made me for it forced me to look at these people in a different light. Maybe they know something I don't. Maybe I should listen to them. I should be open minded no matter what, within limits. So I started researching them, and oh boy, did I research them! <laughs> I kind of we already kind of know what they are. What they stand for mostly is saying stuff like i'm not gonna vaccinate my kid because big pharma created the vaccine and they are like they don't care about us all they care about are the bottom line they are not holding safety and health to standards they only care about the bottom line and to some extent that is true especially if you live in north america or I shouldn't say north america if you live in the united states and you have to pay or insulin, or an EpiPen, or anything like that. You can understand the gouging principles of pharmaceutical companies. But the problem is they sometimes associate doctors with that because doctors sometimes push pharmaceuticals. It's a bit complicated system. We're not going to get into that. But you can kind of relate why there's major distrust within these people. And I started to sympathize with them. And I wanted to get a better picture of what they would look like in general. What does an anti-vaxxer typically look like? So I looked at where they are, who they are, societal markers. And this is kind of what I found. For the most part, anti-vaxxers like to live in the Northern Hemisphere. What I didn't know is that the highest percentage of anti-vaxxer, anti-masker concentration is in the Ukraine. Not in the U.S. like you would think. In the Ukraine. Then you would think normally, well, of course, North America should be somewhere in the second place. France, Germany, U.K., those are in second place. Even some countries in Scandinavia are very highly concentrated in anti-vaxxers, which was completely baffling to me. I did not expect that at all. And let's not, you know, U.S., Canada also was on the list. And some countries in South America, but it was mostly Northern Europe. Well, Europe. Italy was fairly low anti-vaxxer, but for the most part, Europe, 
very high concentration of anti-vaxxer, anti-mask. And that kind of immediately made me take a step back. Well, hold up now. I was not expecting that. Usually, Europe is known for great healthcare, great forefront of science and discovery. Hell, the Pfizer vaccine that came yeah, for COVID is out of Germany. So that was surprising to me. So I decided to look into a little, a little bit more. All right, what do these people typically look like? And I used the U.S. as a benchmark for them, and I double-checked some other stats from other countries, and it seemed to check out. So I'm just going to kind of use these for the sake of time. Education-wise, low education. Wealth-wise, poor. Within comparison to the country they're in. Same with education. So this kind of draws out the map for us. What kind of person is an anti-vaxxer, anti-masker usually? There's always outliers. It's a person living in a high GDP nation, high quality of life, a lot of afforded services to them that might not be available in other countries. Comfortable, at least within the nation that they're in. No unrest, nothing like that. Another word for that may be people who are bored. At the same time, people who are not that highly educated, people who are not necessarily that wealthy, who might not be brushing up against the best and brightest. And of course, there's always all these extrapolations that you can do on this, but this is dangerous to go with the stats. You're saying like, well, they're not, they're not wealthy and they're not highly educated, then they're most likely labor jobs skilled jobs, things like that. Well, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to kind of stick to the persona that we have. Okay. Wealthy, per, a poor person in a wealthy nation, not as educated as the rest, probably has a lot of free time, probably a lot of standards on work hours, and they're not working in a workshop or a sweatshop, I should say. They also probably can afford a cell phone, internet, things of this nature, because again, social programs, great infrastructure in the nation, things, things of that sort. Where are the lowest concentration? Because we, to find the persona, we also have to find where are they least likely to be. Ethiopia and Bangladesh, least concentration of anti-vaxxer, anti-maskers in the world. Makes sense to some extent. Lower on the GDP, higher utility worker hours per day, things of that nature. You can kind of assume people don't have time for these random, unappreciative theories. People are probably actually looking to get these vaccines because they need them, because they've seen what happens when you don't have a vaccine. So they're probably more appreciative of the fact they're not so far removed from the atrocities of disease. So not saying that people aren't grateful, but they're probably more aware of this, which also makes sense. So the really the only factor here I decided was the difference between these two types, it's free time and 
just less things to do and the access to the internet. And I sat back and I thought, why would this matter? Why is an access to the internet at a great utilization of time? So I'm sitting down on the internet for a long time and not necessarily being that well-educated. Why would that make somebody an anti-vaxxer? How does that work? And I kind of had to go back and look at other examples. Usually, when humans have free time, they discover great things. When the ancient tribes that were hunter-gatherers found floodplains and they realized they could grow food, the agriculture revolution happened, they were able to create civilization because they had more free time, they had more time to talk, to discuss, oral traditions got created, they started writing it down, bam, you got writing. You got the first step for continued knowledge to build a civilization, right? Same thing with the steam engine. I can travel a long distance. Therefore, I can be more productive. You can connect more people. Flow of idea increases. Bam. You get wonderful inventions like the car, the plane, telephone, all those things, right? Usually free time with humans means great things. But for some reason, when you have free time and you add the internet, you don't end up with something great when you don't have already a high level of education or knowledge. And you shouldn't conflate the two, I understand, but we are going to for the purpose of these arguments because this was really my epiphany. And I started to look, all right, well, what's the difference? What's the, why is the internet in itself a unique thing compared to all the other tools that created wonderful things for humans, no matter what education level they had, because I'd like to think that anti-vaxxers aren't necessarily more dumb or stupid. They're probably average, mostly. Or at least a, a great, just like with any bell curve, there's probably a lot of average people within that. And I thought about the internet. What does it mean? What, what type of tool is this? This is nothing like we've ever seen before. The wheel greatly reduces the time it requires to move something from one place to the next so I can do more or I can finish the job faster, do something else. Gunpowder, great explosive. I mean, this is not necessarily a tool for moving civilization forward. It was used for killing, but you get the gist. Dynamite, my bad, dynamite was used to further the progress of mining at a much faster rate than you could ever use a pickaxe for, and you can extract all these extra materials for increased innovation, uh, in, uh, improve infrastructure, things of that nature. Steam engine, it all goes the same. So why is the internet different? And the internet is different because it's the first tool that requires your input, but is also responsible for producing our own output to it. The internet itself is not doing anything. It is not a tool to progress anything. It was made for communication like the telephone or the TV. 
But this is the first tool that interacts with us, that moves with us, that gives us feedback to things that we are ourselves putting in it. It is acting as our consciousness. And I'm not talking about the individual. I'm talking about all of humans who are interacting with this are leaving so much data in it. And there's so many algorithms. There's so many programs, machine learning algorithms, artificial intelligence that can read these patterns. And really what we're doing is we're uploading the human consciousness, all of our worries, all of our fears, all of our hopes and dreams, as tacky as the sound, but that is initially what we were doing. We're putting everything on there. It's constantly collecting data from every source. The amount of data they produce, you cannot believe. And when you put it all on top of each other and you kind of look at it, it's kind of a beautiful and very strange concept to get your head around because it is essentially the human consciousness. If nothing else is found other than, you know, by aliens, other than the, the, the vast servers of the internet with all of our information, I'm sure they can draw an exact map of what the average human would look like. And they could probably even create replicas of us, right? This is not far, this sounds like a horrible sci-fi movie, but that's probably what the case would be. So why is it when these people who have so much free time, but not necessarily the education to sift through this in an appropriate manner, why are they then turned into these anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers? Well, what do humans love to do? We're constantly testing each other. It's kind of our what we do. We're always pushing. We're always trying to get more. And what I believe the internet is actually trying to do is that just like the hunter-gatherers would leave behind the elderly, the infirm, for the protection of the, the whole tribe, I believe the internet is doing the same. It is stress, it is stress testing us to see who are our weakest links. And it is doing so in a fashion where it's very selective, but it's also self-selective. People who are anti-vaxxers are not forced to be anti-vaxxers. They choose to believe these things, or one would think that they do. But the internet, I believe, is stress testing us. We all have the same input initially. And don't act like you never came across an anti-vaccine article, but you most people would just look at it and just, just bullshit. No, what the hell are you talking about? Or you can immediately look at something and immediately derive that all right, there's a lot of holes in these arguments. But these people don't. And what I believe is happening is this stress test is trying to separate, just like we left the elderly just like we left the infirm, which is horrific, but at some level it is necessary if you are fighting for survival. I believe this is the next evolutionarily path of doing the same thing. It is finding these susceptible people who cannot successfully pass a simple test of 
can you look at this document, whatever article, bullshit argument that you, they have, and just have the critical thinking ability and just the general knowledge base to determine that this is BS? Or if you don't have the knowledge base, can you at least have the, the ability to go in and try to decipher it, to try to find the actual truth and not just be so susceptible to random bullshit? And a lot of these anti-factors don't because I've been on their forums. I've seen what they spew on these things. It's nonsense. Constantly repeated. It is very selective things, almost as if they want to believe a certain thing just because they already believe it. And I don't know about where we are going as a civilization, as, a, as humanity, but it's not going to be the same. We can't maintain this level. It's either up or down. And I think what's happening is these stress tests are being performed because we need them to be done. To these, and then what's what, what's sad is that these people are failing the test, and we are seeing it in real time. What's even sadder is that this is the first time it kind of it is not only excluding an individual but also their families. It's putting everybody at risk, and it's. It's scary, it's horrific, it's morbid, but at least this is kind of how I'm starting to see these things. They are effectively, the internet is effectively trying to test us to see if we can use it appropriately. And if you don't, if you still can't critically think, if you still can't understand that not everything here is worth reading, if you can't be intelligent enough to listen to people more intelligent than you. You don't have a place where we're going. I'm not saying this. This is at least how what I'm interpreting the internet is trying to convey. And this stress test argument that I was kind of thinking about as I'm just talking here, it also relates to something that is much more tactile, let's say, if you really want to think about this, think about the greatest stress test that the world has been through the last four years. He who shall not be named, I guess, because just, it, I don't want to sound political or anything, but when Trump was elected in office, that was the first president that was truly elected on when the internet was in full swing. Yeah. I, I you know, when Obama was elected, Twitter was in its infancy, but it was still Blackberries. And there was huge stories about him not wanting to give up his Blackberry and all that stuff. But iPhones weren't really all that prominent. It wasn't in everybody's hand. It was still niche. It was still new. But now it's everywhere. And the first stress test, the first president after Obama, when the internet is full swing, is Trump. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's that's what happened. Nobody can deny that. But what happened? Trump then stress tested the presidency, the office of the president. Everybody now realized that a lot of the things that they thought was in, in written as rules was in fact just gentleman agreements that were established 400 years ago. And nobody really knew that they needed to have it in writing because nobody thought to break them.
I feel like we're going to be getting a lot of more of these stresses. And they're only going to keep getting harder. They're only going to get more complex because our world is only getting more complex. Right now, the questions are easy when you really think about it. Do you, should you get a vaccine knowing that there's 99.99% chance that you will be inoculated and you will not get this disease, or at least if you get it, it will be in a less severe form? Or do you not get it and then you leave yourself, your children, anybody who else who couldn't be vaccinated at risk? Some people are saying, you know what, 99.99% is not good enough for me. That's not a logical person. That's not somebody who is going to be answer, able to answer a lot harder questions. And that's kind of scary. But it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold. To see what happens. To see the next tests that come up. Because unfortunately, I don't think just talking on a science level, a lot of these people will be left behind. And I'm not talking about leaving them behind and going to Disneyland. No, these people are putting themselves at risk, their families at risk, everybody they know at risk. Anti-maskers are just completely, I don't get that. How they make science political, I don't understand that either. But I feel like these are easy stress tests with clear answers. It's almost like the teacher giving you the answer and people are still not passing these. And I don't think, and I think as humans, we all agree on some level because they wouldn't be being created out of the internet like they are because these people weren't necessarily around before the internet. Maybe they were, but they were in such small bubble that they couldn't communicate with each other. And this new communication method and no ability to actually decipher what's real and what's bullshit is creating them, but it's creating a massive issue that they themselves don't understand. But in the long term, people who vaccinate are going to be safe. People who don't are not. And I'm not sure if COVID is going to become a new thing in a couple of years, but we've been definitely seeing an increased rate of outbreaks, almost that we kind of keep forgetting about them. But Zika was one of them. H1N1 infected 500 million people. And it seems like nobody really cared about it. COVID kind of destroyed everybody. What was the other one? There was another one that I'm, I'm kind of missing that was coming out. Ebola. That was a problem. That was very deadly. There's no hiding from these new things that are coming out. And I feel like slowly but surely, a lot of the people who cannot understand, who cannot follow the basics, who cannot listen to people who know more than them, people who cannot accept that they can learn from others, that can use this tool for the intentions that it was supposed to be used. Just because you have a platform doesn't, need to, you, doesn't mean you need to be talking all the time. Sometimes you just need to listen to others, things like that they're going to slowly but surely be removed from the population. And that's so morbid. And I'm not trying to be alarmist. I'm really not trying to scare anybody into anything. But it's, it's very morbid to think about that.
But that's kind of the conclusion I came up with. I'm not 100% sure if it's completely viable, but it's my it's where I went. Maybe I went crazy reading all these anti-vaxxer forums and I kind of just decided I was like, "All right, well, this is the end of humanity." So, I really want to I want your feedback, guys. What do you think? Do you think this new phenomenon is actually new or has it always been here and we just never heard about it, but the internet created this new echo chamber so they, they got louder than they actually are? Do you think that anti-vaxxers aren't even a problem? Like, who cares? If enough people get vaccinated, they don't need to worry about it. They're so insignificant that it's not a problem. I really want to know your thoughts. Let me know. I, I'm really excited to read them and sift through them. And uh, I just want to thank you for tuning in for the second edition. I'm uh, going to be releasing another one in, in a week or so. And uh, again, thank you so much. I uh, would really appreciate it if you uh, would rate, like, subscribe, comment. Any kind of interaction goes a long way for a new podcast. So I really do appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, thank you so much and uh, see you next week.